Hello, hello. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you always tune in to hear what we're talking about. Today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and how it impacts our lives as we live in chronic illness and chronic pain. We all have an important role to play. Whether you're young to old, we have a responsibility unlike anything we have ever encountered in our life. This is something new for everyone. So let's just all get comfortable. Take a seat, relax. Let's just start having conversation and share and talk about how we can deal with this and how we're going to get through it because we will get through it. One of the things that we are asking is how can you keep yourself safe during the coronavirus? We are here to share our choices that we take in protecting ourselves plus everyone around us, looking at the role that our family and our caregivers play for us during this period. Many of us are very nervous, unsure of the validity of the information we are receiving, and it's important that we do trust the information that we are getting because we're all in this together. For many of us, we are already at high risk and on alert due to the flu. This is not a time to panic. It is a time to have open, frank conversation. We all play a role in protecting one another. We are all in this together. Everyone should be having the same conversation. No one is immune to the coronavirus. COVID-19 is not a common flu. The fatality rate is approximately 10 times worse than the flu. Yes, they are working on coming up with a vaccine, but it will be about 18 months before that vaccine could be available to the general public. And we hope by what we share here today, you will learn how we've been able to make changes in our lives that will make it easier for you to make changes even if you aren't struggling with chronic illness and your life is not at risk in general. That we are very sorry for any family members that have lost loved ones to this serious, ugly virus that's going on. Our hearts go out to you and we hope with what we share will protect someone else and their loved ones. This is all new. We're all learning together. But some of us that are living in chronic illness have already had to take some of these steps in the past and hope that we can share information that might protect and help you and your family. Today, we will begin this segment on this note. I know we can make it through the coronavirus if we use our heads, lead with our hearts, and understand we are all important and every one of us matter. We are equal in our responsibilities today. Today, joining us for this topic is Leah and Red for Med. We are so thankful to them and their commitment to helping us understand what it is like to be patients and the role we all play in helping one another to ensure we are all staying safe during this time. Each of us have very different medical conditions, but our needs to protect ourselves and others we love come from our own experiences dealing with illnesses, whether chronic or infectious. Good morning, ladies. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. So obviously this is a stressful time for all of us. And, yes, it is. Uh, we are looking to just bring awareness and maybe solutions to others so that maybe they can feel more comfortable being in their home with their family and learning that it's okay and we're going to do this. We'll be all right. If we could just all go around and please give a brief description of who we are and why doing this podcast to educate others is so important to you and your experiences as a patient, as a provider or a caregiver, um, or both. Leah? Okay, I'm in my 60s and um, I have a multiple generational household. We all have medical issues and I have a little hospital in my house. So this is all everyday stuff to us and the uh, risks to me and my husband are greater because of congestive heart failure, hypertension and asthma. Be somewhat relaxed in our attitudes, but very strict in our protocols in the house. So I think having a 
uh, a written or taking notes on these things will help you because then you can relax you know what to do and and you can re not be so stressed because stress works against you red for men well there are certain rules in our house when we come inside the first thing we do is wash our hands before we touch anything and i think it's really important for us to even just say the basic things to do because you know a lot of people right now are panicking they're not thinking straight because of you know the panic they're feeling and this is when we all have to be united and have to put our on our heads right and start thinking okay what is the thing that we need to do the most you know wash your hands that's the most important thing to me i feel because you know you're touching everything outside everyone's coughing everyone's sneezing and all of those germs are on you so rule number one wash your hands and you are 26 so you're coming at this from a young person's viewpoint versus where lee and i are both 62 and we're looking yeah. at it from a different viewpoint so i would assume though you still feel you have a very big responsibility yes i i personally am a private caregiver and you know it's not only about me it's about the people that i'm taking care of it's about the people that i care about you know what i'm saying it's not just because I'm, you know, younger doesn't mean that I'm necessarily taking it lighter. I'm just more cautious about the stuff that I'm doing, about the people who, you know, surround me. And I'm just, you know, not only for myself, but for everyone else. Very good. Yes. And that's the thing we hope that everybody learns today, that this is about all of us. We're in this together. I have been around chronic illness my entire life. I have had... I went into medicine because of that and studied medical technology and went on to work in oncology to then become a chronic pain patient and a chronic ill patient myself and learning how to manage and maneuver through life. So since 2016, I've had to make big changes in my life because of certain health conditions that I have developed and have learned to be quarantined myself on a regular basis every year so i think that each one of us sitting at this table have something that we can share that i believe that others could hopefully learn something from and we can maybe provide some advice how are you keeping yourself protected and safe red for men honestly i'm just kind of like taking the self-quarantine route myself. I'm not really going out anywhere. I'm constantly washing my hands, even though I'm inside my house, you know, and I'm just trying to stay hydrated. I'm trying to keep my immune level up because, you know, I've heard them uh, saying that, you know, if you start panicking, then your immune becomes compromised because your body's overworking. So it's really important to stay calm. Like I said, just Think about, you know, the essentials, and I hope we can get through this. We will get through this. I believe that. It's just a matter of how long does it take and where does the journey take us as we do that. But I do believe we'll all get through this. Um, yeah, how are you keeping yourself and your family protected? Well, I am a nurse, and I work with... Uh, uh, well, I work with a lot of different people. I work with a lot of people that are on uh, chemo and radiation and have leukemias and bone marrow transplants and all sorts of cancers. So I have that side of my work. And then I have my visiting nurse work, which is with uh, um, uh, DDD population, the um, developmentally disabled. So they have anything from congenital issues, not conducive to life. And then uh, I'm also a trach and airway uh, nurse. So very fragile populations. And then my household is the same. So I'm knowledgeable, but I don't go directly to all my hopes being on vaccines. They're far off away and I'm very realistic and what my expectations are so i follow very specific um news sources 
I try to go from a place of, uh, when I say relax, what I mean is I don't want to operate in panic mode. I don't want to go to somebody's house and get them all upset about the changes that we need to incorporate. They're very basic. But I also go from a naturopathic holistic, which is you need to take care of yourself. And there are some basic things that we know about not just coronavirus, but any kind of chronic illness or even colds. Colds can devastate my patients and they devastate me for months. So basic nutrition, immune uh, response, which I did some research for you for today. And these are all things that we implement through the naturopathic offices. So they're very basic. Let's look to our whole health. And part of that is our immune system, our rest, and our stress levels. And so I think for the effective cannabis uh, folks, um, this is all part of our chronic pain treatment. So Very true. <laughs> I personally have been quarantined myself since October of... 2019. I'm quarantined every year during the flu season now that I have contracted Mac lung disease and live with COPD and have MRSA in my lungs. So it's important that I quarantine to protect myself and the changes that we've made in my family is that my whole family is pretty much quarantined now. It's just not me. We've gathered all the necessaries that we need and have them in-house. If we don't have them, we'll survive without them. Uh, the one thing I can tell you about being quarantined is that life goes on and it's okay. It's not bad, it's not hard. You just have to learn to be creative and find other resources to fill your life with that you weren't doing before. Um, but this is a time where we can all really use and utilize the internet, I think, uh, where we could actually be using this period of time to be discussing important matters and coming together and working together. It's also a time where I think we need to reconnect with our family and really be in touch with who they are and what's going on in their lives because I think that due to our lives and the fast pace that we live, we don't always stay as connected with our families as we should. What are your biggest concerns with your own health, Leah? Um, my lungs and my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Yes, um, I have inflammatory disease in lungs and I have been steroid free for a couple of years. And so um, I'm very sensitive to any kind of respiratory thing goes directly through my lungs. And then this is also a neurovirus that does attack the brain and it's something I don't hear a lot of talk about. It, it affects me greatly. If I get sick with a cold, I'm down for three months doing breathing treatments every two to four hours and I haven't had to do that for quite a long time. So I would like to keep it that way. But you read from Ed. What are your biggest concerns with your own health? My biggest concern is actually, well, I'm I'm a pretty healthy individual as far as, you know, my immune system goes and all of that. So, I mean, I am afraid of, you know, catching anything. So I'm being, being very cautious, but I'm more afraid of, you know, the dispensary is closing because everything else is closing. And I feel like we might need to stock up because everything is closing. So I feel like that right there in its own is what worries me aside from catching the virus. And that's something that's real for everybody, regardless of your medication choices, whether it be at the pharmacy or at a dispensary. I think mm -hmm. we're running into this being an issue. I did notice that I got a couple of notices from dispensaries last night that they are doing curbside delivery so you can call in your order and they will deliver it to your car uh, when you show up. And then we also do have dispensaries that do home delivery. So I think it's just important that you check with your dispensary and see what their policy is and how they're handling it um, because I think they're all taking this very seriously. Mm -hmm. 
for me, how I'm protecting my health and trying to keep myself safe is I am making decisions on whether to attend appointments um, and if they make medical sense for me to still keep them since I do have medical appointments to attend. Um, I am immune deficient, so my immune is already compromised. I'm already a week late on taking my immune treatment. I do go into the hospital on a monthly basis to do that. I'm sliding it back a week and then we'll just look and see how things are going at that hospital before I make a decision to go in again um, to take one. It's a risk not to take my treatments, but it's also a risk to go to the hospital and put myself in that risk. And that's something that you as a patient need to be responsible for yourself. Aware that Medicare last week approved telecare for all doctors and Medicare patients. Red for Med? Yes, I was aware of that. And I feel like it's a great idea because, you know, it keeps people inside and it keeps people safer than actually going to see the doctor. So I think it's a great idea right now. It's an awesome idea. Were you aware of this, Leah? Yes, and I'm also aware that um, I'm working with the big clinic at Good Sam here to uh, open up to that. Uh, they're getting their triage all in place. I talked to someone uh, the, last week about the tele-triage. They were moving away from that and going back to the physicians only, answering the calls. But now uh, we've established 165 adult doctors uh, going for phone triage. So I think that phone triage is going to be huge. It, there's a huge need for it. It's, it's, a, it's a huge for sure. In fact, this yes. morning they were announcing again when they had the morning update that that is something that definitely Medicare has opened up to all doctors and that all doctors yes. can do it. Um, I personally called last week to ask my doctor about this because I have an appointment this week and I'm just going in to get my prescription for my pain medications. I don't need to go for any other reason. And I asked them if they were doing telehealth and they said no. Well, I'm calling back today and I'm going to say this, this has to happen. There's no reason that I should be putting my life at risk because I am immune deficient mm -hmm. to come in and get a prescription that I know you can fax over to the, the pharmacy after we have a, a phone conversation. What is your plan to ensure that you have plenty of food and you have all the medicine that you have on hand, Leah? Well, I started tracking this during December and um, I became aware of it through a medical missionary that was stationed in China. And this was before it all broke out on the news. And so I'm very aware of uh, the pharmaceutical issues. And so I was able to get at least three months medications for all of us. We're in the um, deductible period where you have to meet your high deductibles. So I just called up the pharmacy and said, I wanna do my, uh, my regular refills now and then I want to do another three months and I'm going to pay for it because my insurance isn't going to pay for it anyway. Um, but that's the first thing I did. And then the second thing I did is because I'm also a public health nurse and our agency is no longer able to provide us with sanitizer, with gloves or a mask. And I, like you, I, in October, or actually after school starts, I do glove when I go to the grocery store, so I do have a good stash, but I have enough to share in my office with a few of the nurses that I work with because our, we're out there still making visits and we can't get alcohol wipes for our injectables. Well, that's not where we should be. And I don't know if yeah. you heard yesterday, I think it was yesterday where the president said that states should just go off and get their own ventilators yeah. and their own supplies and that's not the kind of support we need as medical providers we need it from the top down i'm not trying to bash on anyone i'm just saying this is a serious issue and we need to make sure that everybody is working to make sure that our health providers have the necessary mm -hmm. equipment because they're the ones that are going to save our lives if they can be saved Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure they're not be putting at risk 
trying to save us. That's not the way we want to handle this. So we hope that our government will hear us and understand they play a very big role in making sure that our health providers have all the equipment that they need. That is just, that's just something that's not up to discussion to me. It's just yeah. not something we should even be discussing. Right. That should and, be essentials. Yes. Right. And, and especially for those that are doing the care, it's not just people at home that need to go to the store, but it's, it's the people who are one-on-one -on -one because I go from household to household. It's, it's not a good situation to be in, but I did find a way to reuse masks. It's just being practical. Yes. Being practical. Red for Mid, what is your plan to make sure you have fate, enough food in your house, and if you have any medicines that you need? Well, I usually prepare in general, so I've been pulling from what I have and not really going out, but I, you know, have bought like peanut butter, just like essentials, and you know, I feel like I haven't been panicking when I go to the store or anything like that. I'm just buying, like if I go to the store, I just buy whatever I need. And for my medicine, well, you know, I use cannabis as my medicine. And I usually do have, you know, I'm prepared by having extra just in case. But I am worried about the dispensaries closing just like everything else. And that's basically what I've been doing. And we hope that they will be able to continue to function and provide us with curbside service or home yeah. delivery. That's what we're looking for and hoping to establish for most of our dispensaries. In my household, we've done a lot of preparing and buying foods that we know will sustain us for a long period. We've always got a freezer full of food, so nobody's going to yeah. go hungry in this house. But uh, <laughs> we, um, we did make sure we had staples, beans, rice, things that we can use long-term peanut butter to just buy enough to get through for a few weeks and then we'll see how it goes because the grocery stores are still delivering and they will still deliver I believe so we do have ways to receive food without us having to physically go to the store ourselves but we also have to learn to make sacrifices yeah and that we don't necessarily have to have everything that we're so accustomed to having that it's yeah. important that we understand that we can live on less and it's okay um there's some pretty interesting things that are happening on social media right now and different ways that people are trying to connect and make this a good period we hope that we can help do that as well we're working on some ideas that maybe we can make something enjoyable out of this instead of it all being stressful we'll be coming up with that and announcing that soon but I, there's really good things we can do here Kay wants to say about social media it's definitely going to be interesting to see all the different ways that just the general people connect with each other during this time without being able to have that distraction of going out, going somewhere in public. And like, it's, it's going to be a lot more like screen staring, but using it in different ways, I think all sorts of different types of new, like, what would it be like American culture? Yeah. culture whatever oh gosh we're gonna have to play board games again yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just insane how fast everyone like it went from making jokes in the grocery store about buying extra toilet paper to grocery stores across america being completely out mm -hmm. and while it is important to calm everyone it's important to remain alert and notice that it's heading down that direction of people joking about taking things from each other, which is concerning. Yeah. So maybe using that element of social media to really push that message of we need to band together right now. This yeah. is not Come the together. Time. Yeah. We don't need to blow up into an apocalypse, which is what everyone's saying. Like it's not, it doesn't have to get that serious. Yes. Yeah. Great point, agree. and we agree with that completely. As far as medicine for me, I'll get back to that. I have some medications that I can only get filled every month. So I have, I can't do a stockpile. So, and it's because they are narcotic. I am on still using OxyContin going to get that prescription that is definitely necessary and not put my health at risk or anybody else's. So I think that's one of the things that we will work through. But I have a question about your OxyContin. Uh, most of the orthopedics and some of the surgeon's offices 
um, you're required to go in person to pick up your prescription, uh, depending on what it is. And um, are you able to send somebody else to pick it up for you? And are you able to get that delivered or it is not a delivery item from your pharmacy? Well, apparently in January, Arizona changed the laws and you cannot hand carry a prescription into the pharmacy anymore. It has to be faxed from your doctor's office. So in oh, fact, yeah. When, yeah, it was a big change for me because when um, I've always hand carried my prescriptions to the pharmacy or my husband has, I don't go to the pharmacy. I haven't been going to the pharmacy since 2000. But we always wanted to hand carry them because there were so many times we would go in to get a prescription and they didn't have enough Oxycontin. So my husband could end up at six different pharmacies in one day trying to find my prescription. So we were really worried when they said that, that we couldn't hand carry it in anymore because now what do we do when a pharmacy gets it faxed? How do they address that if they don't have it? Because can they fax right. it on to another pharmacy? I don't know the answer right. to that. And as long as you can get your medication, that's real important. Now, whether Walgreens would deliver that or CVS would deliver that to your home, I don't know. It's something that we all need to just take a deep breath, relax. This is going to be okay. We're going to get through it. Uh, the more we pull ourselves into our home and protect ourselves and everybody we love, the more we're all going to get through this much faster. Leah, do you have any medical appointments that you're trying to handle or work through right now? <laughs> I do, and we're trying to get in for the infusions and also for our antivirals. And then I did break one of my implants here about two weeks ago in a fall, and um, I'm worried about my foot. I don't want to get gangrene or anything in there, and uh, they pushed it out to April to get in to be seen unless I have some changes and I need to go to the ER. We're just trying to avoid doctor's appointments. Kay has two issues that we need to address right away and that's why we brought her home is because she was three months out in the state of Washington getting an appointment for a specialist. So I um, just, you have to figure out what's the most important with immune met treatments, your infusions and your uh, shots. Uh, they may be able to have the shots delivered to you if you're able to give them yourself or have a family member give them. That's what we're looking at in home care is uh, training families to give um, shots so that the nurses are more free for other types of assessments. Um, so we just all have to learn to be flexible and creative about what's important. And I think the real most important part thing to do there is make sure you reach out and talk to your medical providers to understand what process they're putting in place. And if you're not comfortable with it, share with them you're not comfortable with it. Share with them what you're looking for or what you need. This is a time for us to be open and frank, but be right. respectful to something that it's going to change on a daily basis, maybe minute to minute on what we need to do. But again, let's just all stay calm. Let's keep our head about us and let's, you know, not overreact to anything. Uh, let's just make sure we stay uh, connected and working together to make sure that we're all making good choices. Right. Red for Med, since you're a caregiver, do you have any of your patients that you work with that have appointments and you need to work with them on how to handle them? Not right now. Luckily, we, you know, did all the appointments before this happened, but right now, not even myself, I don't have any appointments to go to, so that's good. That's good. Are you checking in with your, with the other people that you take care of on a regular basis and making sure they don't need anything and if you can assist them? Oh, yes, of course. I'm constantly to reminding them not to go out because, of course, they're older in age. And, you know, I just want to remind them, don't go and help anybody else. You have to help yourself first. 
Uh, that's that's interesting. My mother-in-law called this morning wanting to get taken out for a pedicure. <laughs> I have a mother-in-law that lives in assisted care living home that's not too far from our house. And she called this morning wanting to get a pedicure. And I said, I'm sorry, that's something we can't do right now. We're not, a, we're not doing anything unless it's a necessity. So um, some people, even she's in her 80s doesn't stop to think about the little things like that that she's used to doing on a regular basis needs to come to a halt so we need to always help you know everyone remember that you know those are basics and they aren't a necessity and we need to put those on hold right now what is the risk of, of allowing outsiders into your home whether it be a medical provider or a delivery person or someone to repair something that's broken? How are you handling situations like that, Red for Men? Well, that's a scary place to be because number one, you don't know what they are doing, you know, to protect themselves. So I'm not really letting anyone come into my house. I'm just canceling, you know, everything can be postponed and we'll talk about it whenever the virus has come down. Leah? Well, with Miss Social here, um, we've had some visitors and I was very abrupt with one of them the other day because they just just got right in my face and give me a hug and get close and you know, I'm you know. Uh young people uh, one thing the president said that I really, really did like was that the young people are the ones that are going to help us by learning about this and respecting that distancing. Uh, when they let out schools last week, there were colleges, of course they're on spring break and you know, all excited and all that. And so they suspend classes, everybody's supposed to be on the computer, but they're all out in the parking lot having a beer party. So it's the awareness of how you affect other people your grandparents, your aunties, your, your uh, disabled uh, brother or little sister, your new baby in the family, um, they don't know everything about this virus right now. So it's really to understand that we just need the, the, the distancing is something new and we all need to learn it. And so it, we're just going to have to practice. It's, it's interesting that you brought the young people in this conversation. Um, I'm a huge fan of Billie Eilish. And she had a video that she put out yesterday saying that she has a responsibility for this virus. She said when she first heard about this virus, she was like, oh, it doesn't affect me. I don't have to worry about it. I don't need to be worried or concerned about it. And then I don't really know. She didn't say what happened or what brought her attention to it. But she said, all of a sudden, I realized I play a big role in protecting my parents. I play a big role in protecting my grandparents. And I take this seriously. So I think that people that are young putting out that message is important that you know of course you and i leah are 62 we're gonna put that message out because we're at high risk but i think that it's really important that we have read for med and katie um, sharing their voices to say how important they play a role in this and protecting us as well as protecting everybody else yeah. so I think at this time of the transition of learning to keep more into your home and everything is when I'm telling my friends that I can't see them because I have to worry about myself or my parents, they're getting angry. They're, it, it, it is a matter of respect because they're asking me, I don't understand why you're going to uh, place your parents ab above you and give them sway over you right now. And the answer is because I respect them and they're important. I don't want them to lose their life over this. It's that serious. It's not trivial anymore. It's not just a flu or a cold. It's something that people are getting into a very serious condition from and that it really boils down to being respect. I respect my parents and I respect myself and I respect the gravity of what could happen if people don't take proper protocol and procedure even in their own homes and daily lives. 
And you know what? She was her friend. She came, she just arrived from a really hot, it's the hottest spot in the nation. And so this time that, you know, you talked about extending the days, um, I did not have to say anything to her. She told me that she is ready for self-isolation. She's made arrangements with work and she's moving into her apartment and um, she's she said i'm i'm ready for it and i didn't have to ask her that's so nice to hear and we're, we thank you for that um because we do think that we all play a role here every single person is important not just one person the thing that I'm learning is that more young people are dying than we realize. Um, Italy has had quite a few young people now that are in their 30s and 40s that are passing. And then we're having a lot of young doctors that we're finding that are coming down and getting critically ill and we've lost a few of those. So don't think because you're young, it can't attack you and bring you down, it can. So this is important that everybody take this seriously for themselves as well as everybody else in their life that they love. I do have some appointments this week. It's just kind of crazy that people are supposed to come into my house and help me. One of them is a medical provider switching out my oxygen equipment. And so they're supposed to be here on Wednesday and I'm thinking about it. Is it really that important that they come right now? Do you find that you're responsible for keeping other people with chronic illness safe and protected? Red for med? Yes, because I'm a caregiver, so I'm constantly, you know, having to not only take care of myself, but people that I already take care of, you know? That's, yeah, for sure. And Leah, I think we've... Oh, definitely definitely i have one gentleman i've worked for for 15 years and he's very fragile he just got off a ventilator uh recently so my he's my biggest concern and his mother's 90. so they're they're those two are my biggest concerns and when it's funny when i come in people you know people ask me you know how am i doing this well i do my quick one minute assessment on how he's breathing and then I start his breathing treatments and his uh, he's on a compression machine for his lungs and then I go clean the bathroom because I have to have I mean I wash my hands when I come in in the kitchen but when I go to his area it's been dirty since the last time I was there so I have to clean the bathroom very first thing because this is where I'm going to be doing everything for him and myself. And then after I get him back in the morning, then I have to go and clean the rest of the house. All the doorknobs, the light switches, the refrigerator door and everything because this 90-year-old woman cannot comprehend this. And so um, it's, it's a number one priority for me. And because of those people that I care for are very fragile. I made deliveries yesterday to a leukemia patient. I didn't even come in the door. I had everything packaged properly. Each thing was individually wrapped. I wore gloves. I wore a mask just to walk to the door and greet them, check how they were doing. And then I left their delivery there and I turned around and, and walked back. Because just one little sneeze from me, it's allergy season for me. One little sneeze and I've been around all these sick people and uh, I don't want to be the one, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing right now, until we have full testing, we don't know when we sneeze, what is it? Because there are so many people that are walking around this with actually no, no symptoms at all. So I definitely have a big responsibility on helping my mom and my mother-in-law in particular. My mom is in Washington in a care home and my mother-in-law is in a care home here in Arizona. So I'm concerned about both and I'm concerned about the role that the people that own the facilities and what they're, how they're addressing it and talking about it. Um, in the state of Washington, they're not allowing anybody into any of the care homes or nursing homes at all now. And so now my sister can't even go in 
she has to just see my mom on the back porch. <laughs> uh, so, and that still brings risk to me because I don't, I know my sister hasn't been out and around a lot of people, but she was two weeks ago. You know, do I know whether she's safe or compromised? No, I don't know because she hasn't been tested and we aren't testing just anybody. We're only testing patients right now that are having symptoms. So, you know, that's the hard part about evaluating how you help take care of someone else that's chronically ill that, that you're responsible for. As far as my mother-in-law here, they haven't really put anything in place for, them, for her care home as far as, well, I shouldn't say that. They didn't let anybody go out on Sunday to go to church. Are there things that you feel you could do to assist others without putting yourself at risk? Red for men. Um, just friendly phone calls, you know, reminders to people, uh, you know, wash your hands, you know, remind them not to go out and, you know, just self-quarantine is the best thing that I can tell people. And, you know, just, I don't have to go see them to tell them that I could just grab my phone and give them a jingle and protect all of ourselves. And do you check in with them on a pretty regular basis? Oh, yes, of course. I'm always on top of how they're feeling. I need to know if they need anything. I need to know if I can help them with anything, you know. I'm there for them, but right now we're all keeping our distance. Well, I think it's really important, though, that they feel that they're loved and that oh, they're yes. supported during this period. I think that's really huge, um, especially for those that are aging and this is, I think, probably more scarier for anybody that's over 70 than it is for somebody that's 17, just based on the facts that we know. So I think it's really important that they have someone that's in their corner that's calling and checking on them and making sure if they need something that you're figuring out a way to help them. I think that's nice. I, I, I think that's really good. How about you, Leah? Well, I think mine is mostly in the realm of teaching. Um, they did cancel our farmer's market, and I have a lot of clients that pick up at my tent every month. And so they've all been contacting me, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? And so I do a balanced teaching of just very simple uh, cleaning techniques that you don't need any special um, chemicals for and um herbs that are beneficial uh nutrition and i am trying to assist like i said my mother-in-law and my mom but i also have someone that i love very much that's in texas so i'm kind of spread out all around and i feel that i can play a role in helping everyone by just checking in with them making sure that they don't need anything trying to connect with people that are in their area that could provide them with assistance if they needed something staying in touch with people that could help me if I felt that I needed someone to help them I'm obviously not flying anywhere most people aren't flying now thinking about having to get to someone that lives long distance from me is kind of scary and thinking how would we assist someone if they really got in trouble and that means we just have to rely on our resources that are close to them and we need to make sure we're connecting with those resources and making sure that they're available to meet our needs that we may have because we can't be available. Um, my mother's 86 and she lives in Texas and rural Texas and she does not live in a town. And so all of us are very concerned about her, but she doesn't hear the phone ring and she doesn't hear when her alarm, her fall alarm, <laughs> goes off her life alert. And so we worry about her a lot. And so what we have done is we've taught her about Facebook and about texting. And she's become a daily texter. We ask her, instead of having all the family members trying to call her and then getting upset because she can't hear the phone, um, we just have her get up and have her coffee in the morning and give us a text. What's the weather? You know, it can be something simple. If she just checks in and tells us what her weather is because it's tornado season, we're all good. We know she's still there, <laughs> you know? I and, and I think it's good for families to, choose 
uh, one person to be the news person and then they can just share that along. We don't have to do all these 50 phone calls, although it is nice to hear I love you every day. It is, and I think that's a great tip that you just gave there because that is something that is a concern. And you know, when we talk about this, sometimes we just think about what's happening to us immediately that's really close to us. But all three of us have talked about situations that are outside of our home and affect other people. And we feel responsibility to that. And so finding and coming up with ways that work for you to help assist that person is really good. And I think that's a great idea that you just mentioned there. Just have that person, if they're able to text, to just text one person and let you know that it's okay. Do you have people in that area that if you didn't get a text today that you contact and say, can you go check on my mom? Or do you have to just call the 911? Well, I have sent the sheriff out once because <laughs> her call alarm went off and she didn't answer the voice in the sky that comes from the ceiling with life alert. So it was a, a big deal. But um, she lives in an area that is only inhabited in the summertime when the city people come to their summer cabins. So um, we have reached out to church in the local area and um we have reached out to we've all the children have been back there this year so we got phone numbers from people who do live in the area we don't want them to feel like they have to go by every day and check on her but they're a number that we can call and then i also called the uh, state health department the visiting nurse because if you're on medicare if you're elderly and you're on medicare you can ask the doctor to order a welfare check on that person uh, once a month, once a week. And this is our backup plan for her because she has three pre-existing conditions that would deteriorate very rapidly for her. So um, that is something you can activate. You can call their doctor. If you're on the HIPAA or you're their power of attorney, you can call their doctor in Timbuktu, USA, and ask them to initiate a welfare check, and they'll do it. That's another really good idea that we need to make sure people understand and hear right now. These, there's just so many services that are out there that I don't think people take and utilize that they don't even know that exists sometimes because, well, unless you're living with chronic illness or, and struggling with yourself, you don't even have a reason to understand that generally. Uh, but that's, you know, now is a time to make sure we realize what all the resources are out there and understand. I, um, the government did say this morning that you can log on to Medicare.gov and they have a whole page there about all the services that they offer and that you can utilize in this time. So if you're a Medicare patient or if you have a family member that's a Medicare patient, that would be something that I would recommend is that you follow and check to see what's on the Medicare mm -hmm. website. And if you're in a rural area where Meals on Wheels, I find, is not always a good thing for my kidney patients and my hypertension patients because, and my blood sugar patients because it's a lot of carbs and a lot of salt. But Medicare provides a meal service and they could bring up to four weeks of frozen meals to you. So instead of having a Meals on Wheels every day kind of thing, it comes to you, it's delivered to your home, they bring it, they will bring it into your house if you're not physically capable of carrying it in. And, um, and it's all frozen meals, it's all organized by breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they, they fit into the freezer. And uh, people who are in rural areas that are aged, most of them do have freezers. That's the era they grew up in everybody had freezers so that's something you can utilize the doctor's office can order it if you if they go to a clinic their social worker can order it for them or you can order it through medicare.gov now is that something you've utilized with your mom and she can get access to in the rural area that she lives in i actually utilized it for a client here in the valley and she had no one to do this and meals on wheels would not was not Actually, some places, Meals on Wheels is $10 a day. What person on Social Security can do that? Right. 
So um, she was getting out of the hospital. So we got Medicare on the phone and I was there the day they delivered the month's worth of meals and I put them away for her. So it's available. It is available in the city also. It's a service I've used. My oh, I haven't used that service, but I have <laughs> used a meal service for myself when I was so critically ill and couldn't provide for myself, and my husband was not working at home yet. And then we have my 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 grandmother. Um, when she was ill, we were trying to get that service for her, but she lived in a really small town, and she. They just didn't have that as a service that was available. So I don't know when this Medicare service became available, but it obviously was not during the time when we were needing those services. So it's this good to know that it's there. Thing. Yeah, this was a recent thing. It was in January, I believe. Yeah, so that's a nice thing to know about. The bigger question will be if some of those smaller rural areas still have that available to them. I would like to know that we can say that that's available to all areas, but I can't say that. Right, and um, in the president's address last night, he mentioned certain uh, food chains that will uh, have a pickup, curbside pickup and delivery service. So where she's at, it's too rural for her to have delivery, but her grocery store uh, does allow for curbside. Now, a lot of elderly people don't know how to use those grocery apps. Right. You can actually call the store. And they, they love their customers they've had forever and ever. And um, so my mother is doing that once a week. She will go and get curbside. Well, and that's one thing we know for some of the rural areas is that they're a little bit more connected with their population. And they know who their customers are more than we do in these big metropolitan areas. I mean, if I go into the pharmacy today they wouldn't know who I was at all even though they fill prescriptions for me every month I don't go to the pharmacy myself as I said but I mean that's just what happens when you live in a big metropolitan area but when you live in a smaller town and a very rural area they generally know you so it's much more of a personal experience than what we would maybe say see in a big metropolitan area but it's just nice to know that these services are out there i'll try to get any information on this and put it on the website effectivecannabis.com so that you can see what all is available fox news this morning had a young girl in new york that you know they're all doing their isolation thing now but they're very aware of elderly people that cannot and do not have anybody to walk to the store to get their pharmacy and their food and so they have a website i i don't remember what it was but it's on the fox news you can go for today's morning show and um, they're establishing a nationwide line for you to be able to call and report your elderly person and they will actually have volunteers in their neighborhood throughout the united states this is for city dwellers so um, I, I think it's great. That's awesome. And I uh, will do everything I can to find out what that information is as well. But if you know of something that's out there and we haven't discussed it here today, please let us know so that we can make that available to everybody. Because the more we share this information, the safer we keep everybody. And we make sure everybody's taken care of. We don't want someone out there needing food or needing medicine and having no way to go that's the last thing we want is somebody stopping their medication at a period like this that's right. definitely the last thing we want so um just speak on that topic um i don't know if you guys found this out but for the baby food that we're having shortages of right now um young mothers can call the phone number on the back of the canister and the companies will send a case to your home without having to go pick it up at a grocery store so that's really good to also know things coming out mm -hmm. as far as getting people the food that they need and everything so is that for all baby food suppliers or just one particular it's uh you should be able to look on the back of your canister for the majority of the different brands that are out there so it's not just one brand or one type um and they include their contact information i I can look to see if there's a list of brands, but as of right now, just look on the back of your container to see if it applies. All right. 
And that's another very important part that we haven't really discussed here is even our younger children that are still, you know, infants and they're still needing formula and baby food and you can't, you can only stock up so much on that stuff, you know. Because it's very expensive for these <laughs> yes. young people. It is. There is, uh, I know Washington State um, passed yesterday a bill to forego rent and mortgages and I expect to see that in more states. I already talked to somebody in our Congress last week about this being a, a very important option for people because they're very stressed out, choosing between food and medical necessities versus paying their rent. And so I would look for that. Um, but um, th there's so much out there, it's just a phone call. It's just a phone call. Well, and it's just having access to knowing what's out there. And that's one of the things we will try to provide as much information as we can gather. But that's where we need everybody's help. Anybody that's listening to this, if you know of services that would help someone, if, whether they have young children or you have elderly, anybody in between, everybody needs help right now. And the more we can share this information and get it out there, the better off we will all be. So I think that that's... I'm sorry, Deb. That's okay. We're so good with stimulating our minds together. Another important thing I want young mothers to know with young babies is that if you have breastfed within the last six months that you have weaned your baby, if you're having difficulty getting dairy products or formula, you can restart breastfeeding. It takes a little bit of work your brewer's yeast, your yogurts, and your uh, Belgium-type beers, the heavily oat and barley beers will help stimulate your breast milk, and it's just the mechanization, the adding, lowering your caffeine and adding uh, water to your intake, you can reinitiate uh, breastfeeding, and that's very important immunity right there. Yeah, if you have any specific links on that, Leah, send that to me too as well on how women could get started with that. Uh, that would be good. A lot of people might be asking right about now why we're talking about all this when we talk about cannabis so much and CBD so much. And the reason is, is we started this podcast, we made it very clear this is to talk about chronic illness, chronic pain, as well as cannabis and CBD. So we don't just... We don't just deal with just cannabis and CBD along with our chronic illness and our chronic pain. We want people to understand that being a complete person, managing everything, your health completely is important. And it's just not one medication over another medication. So it's really important that we, um, people understand we're here to do far more than just educate about cannabis and CBD. Yes, we have a very strong passion about that and we all use it to take care of our health conditions but we need to make sure everybody understands our topics go far beyond that we're here to actually address what affects you when you live in chronic illness and chronic pain and the more we share everything that we're doing as patients that we're keeping ourselves healthy it's important i think it's really important that we share that so um we're going to close here, ladies. We've taken this conversation to, we had a long one, definitely. And we hope that we provided information that was helpful to people. We would love to hear your feedback. Please subscribe and follow if you want to stay in touch with what we're doing. I thank you all, ladies. Thank you very much. And I hope you have a good day. And I will leave us with one final note today as we close. Just please remember. Each and every one of you are important. Each and every one of you matter. We care about you. We want to make sure that you and your family and your loved ones stay safe. We are here for you. Echo Podcast is provided by EffectiveCannabis.com, where patients help patients doing important work studying cannabis and CBD along with their medical conditions. A place to learn, share, and teach how to improve one's health and life using cannabinoids. We help and assist those living in chronic illness and chronic pain to learn how to live the very best life possible. Effective Cannabis does not produce or sell any products. We study them. We passionately care about you, your pain, and your illnesses. We understand chronic pain and chronic illness because we live it too.
If you are living in chronic pain or chronic illness and feel you are not understood, we are the community for you. We pride ourselves on respecting you, your pain, and your illness. So thank you very much. I hope you have a healthy and safe day. Until next time, bye.